You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject I've got coming up for you, it's the one and only, it's the Italian maestro, Luca Torilli. Now, the reason for the conversation is twofold. He's got three shows in Australia coming up in October. Okay, so it's a way away yet, but I'll read out the three dates. Thursday the 10th, he's playing in Sydney. Friday the 11th, he's playing in Brisbane. And Sunday the 13th, in Melbourne, I think it's at something called the Southern Gathering Festival. So a bit of a festival appearance there at Max Watts down in Melbourne. The other reason for the conversation is that he's got this extraordinary new album out under the banner to really backslash Leone Rhapsody. And it's called Zero Gravity. It's great stuff. I just listened to it on the plane back from Hobart, which brings me to my final point. The quality of this recording is a bit potato, and the reason for that is I actually had to record it to my iPad. It was a bit of an impromptu interview because I wasn't able to do it last week because I had bloody hay fever. So I was down there in Hobart playing the role as godfather to my wonderful little godson. So all the way down there, I'm from Queensland. If you're from outside of Australia and Hobart is in Tasmania. A lot of people outside of Australia have certainly heard of Tasmania due to the Tassie Devil. So I was down there and it was about six degrees, which is that Celsius, Celsius. That's bloody cold for us. But anyway, sorry, I'm rambling a bit. I had the conversation with Luca in an Airbnb. So it sounds like as though it's uh, been recorded at the end of a cave. And I was just going to write a story about it, actually, rather than release it as a podcast episode. But Luca does go into a lot of detail here. So do bear with us through the quality of the audio, but I'll tell you something, as always, it's a high quality conversation. Really hope you enjoy it. So here he is, the man himself, the Italian maestro, Luca Turilli. Yeah, just, uh, just a moment, I lost the last sentence because uh, it was kind of broken. Oh, that's all right. I was just saying that it's, uh, you know, in marriages, a lot of marriages are where the woman is the, is the morning person and the husband is the night person. And I'm a night person as well, like you are. And, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Hey, let's let's talk about this album, okay? This album that you've got out here, this brand new one. It's a stunning album. So congratulations on that to begin with. You are a brilliant, a world, a world-renowned composer. And here's what I said about it. I actually did a, a little bit of a review on Twitter already, and I'll tell you what I said. I said that Luca produces vast guitar soundscapes bookended by massive vocals underpinned by string arrangements. The songwriting is excellent. Let's see how they go recreating this live because this is a great album for any heavy metal fan. What are your thoughts? Oh my God. That's <laughs> too nice. <laughs> well, thoroughly deserved, my friend. Thank you, thank you, really. Hey. Yeah. So this, is, this has been a labour of love for you, I take it. This has been a labour of love, meaning that you you do this anyway, wouldn't you? If this you're a born composer and creating this album is just something that you are going to do anyway. Yes, absolutely, my friend. And you touch a delicate point because I had many discussions recently about the fact that unluckily, for some uh, probably to some for some problems related with the young age or the lack of experience. Yeah. Uh, we had some problem on the past because in some way the form in some cases took the prevailed, let's say prevailed on the substance. So in the end, because of wrong photos, of wrong videos, 
deck, uh, we were not taken as seriously as uh, I would have liked. Okay. So, yes, this because probably, I don't know, we, were, we had our songs related with a fantasy saga, so for the people who doesn't like this style of music, it was easy to attack us on that uh, point, things like that. Uh, but for us, it was a, a labor of love also to one, I'm referring to the Rhapsody of the Past. Yeah. And uh, of course, of course, looking back, I'm ashamed, I'm really ashamed of those videos because uh, they, they were done uh, and we didn't have any control on them. On top, uh, we can add that my English lyrics were really more than cheesy and this didn't help either. But uh, I have to say that then after the first four albums, everything changed also because of the presence of Christopher Lee and all that. And so then everything went the right way, let's say. Mm. Now, with this new band, we want really to establish this modern, serious image. I already tried to establish with my Luca Turelli's Rhapsody band, that was a kind of hybrid version of Rhapsody, something in between. But now with this new incarnation, after the end of the Fatwell tour, after the end of the celebration of, this, of those early years, now finally we, we, we feel strong and devoted to this new band because this is really the music that we love nowadays and, um, and, and all the elements that we incorporate, especially, you know, the vocal arrangements, progressive elements, the dream theater, the symphonic touch, of course, that is a, a typical... Uh, that is typical of Rhapsody, it's a kind of trademark. But uh, still uh, contaminated uh, with, a modern, uh, with a modern touch. And most important, the low-tuned heavy guitars that went for the first time ever in one of our albums. So in some way, uh, we consider this a, a first album, debut album, for, uh, because you have to imagine that in the beginning, we were not even supposed to to move on, uh, to move onwards as a rhapsody, but mm. with the under the team zero gravity. This was the very first plan. But then, then the promoters uh, didn't, uh, let say the offers of the yeah. promoters were not that uh, good for us to restart. So there was not the, even the possibility to restart. And this is unluckily the situation of the market nowadays. In the promoters prefers to invest on a name already existing uh, that can guarantee in some way their investment. No, so in yeah. the end, me and Fabio said, okay, they don't want the we move onwards as zero gravity. So okay, we keep the name Rhapsody, but we add our names on top. We change the logo. We make it look more modern. And, uh, we adopt as our motto uh, rebirth and evolution. So. And, and then it became also the undertitle, of course, of the, the first album. So the, the Zero Gravity now is the title, is the title. At first, it had to be the name of the band. So in the end, you see a lot of changes, uh, and uh, we're really trusting a lot in this new generation of Rhapsody. Gosh, great response. Yeah, great. Well, great statement that you made there. It was going to be one of my questions, actually, was the decision to move on with the, the Rhapsody name, but I completely understand, mate. It is 
a brand that you built up personally alongside your bandmates, and it's a very well-known brand at the end of the day, the Rhapsody of Fire brand, and it is easily identifiable the world over to the point where when you hear the word Rhapsody, certainly from a heavy metal fan's perspective, you think of Luca Turilli. So I'm, I'm glad that you found that compromise. Yes, absolutely. Also because, uh, uh, you, you know, imagine uh, ourselves. It's like if I make you think, uh, imagine you are doing the same job for over 20 years. Yeah. Uh, at one point, uh, uh, I mean, also you can like the job, you can like it less sometimes, but in the end you really... Life is limited, so especially for an artist working with heart and soul and not making music for fun, yeah. because Fabio and I never made music to have fun. Me, I'm not a party guy, I'm, I'm always closed at home, uh, composing, composing, composing. I never had holidays, I never go out to drink with friends, so apart that I don't drink, but because my body rejects the eye. <laughs> but that's another <laughs> thing. But just to tell that. Uh, we intend music very seriously, yes. and so it, uh, we finally wanted to have uh, to, to find the, the right dimension for our episode brand, and uh, to, uh, to really, uh, really now all the new photos, the new videos that we will have that you will see soon, they move into that same direction. So there is a kind of uh, vision, artistic vision, that uh, gave us stimulation to go on. Because otherwise, Fab and die. I know that some fans would like just that we repeat ourselves. Apart that when you repeat yourself, you will never be better than the original. But it will be just a copy. But second, if I, would, I should make music to earn money or to make the easy commercial operation, to, to, to be sure to sell some albums, even if I don't like that music anymore, that would be totally fake and against my vision of the artist, of art general, you know? Mm. So, no, now we are doing really what we like, and of course there is the hope that many fans out there will, uh, will, find, will find a great, uh, a great response. Uh, yeah, wonderful, mate. Yeah. I'll tell you the other thing that's wonderful, Luca, is that to have achieved 154% of your Indiegogo target, when you put it out there to fans to help you fund this album here, the response was one and a half times greater than you could have anticipated. That must feel great. Well, that was really something unexpected, first of all, because uh, we didn't have any experience with those crowdfunding campaigns and all that. Uh, but uh, uh, we were kind of obliged to do that, and so we had to try. You know? We were kind of forced to try, because, of course, uh, you have to know that... Uh, uh, until now, looking back to the history of Rhapsody, I have to say that uh, we made some great music, but uh, really because we had the time and uh, to, to the right time to be spent in the studio, and this because mainly of the great budgets that we had in the past. Right now, the market is totally different. Budgets are not the same, even if uh, also we have the great support of Neutral Blast, but still. We needed to ask these uh, 40,000 euros extra to reach the minimum amount of budget that we used to have in the past. So in the end, as you said, we reached the 100% of the target. So, so we could even uh, we could really realize the album that we had in mind, and we had also some extra money to be invested in the video that will be soon released. 
the official video, mm. the possibility to have some special guests on the first album. Um, and this was very important to guarantee the, the same variety I was telling to you about uh, before. Mm -hmm. So it was a change for this album, for, for this new start. So all of this thanks to the collaboration of our fans, and that's, uh, that, that's just uh, amazing. Mm. Hey, tell me about your relationship then with Australian fans, because I assume that there was a, a cohort of Australian heavy metal fans that contributed toward the Indiegogo campaign, but have you heard much from Australian fans over the years? So is there a demand for you to personally come down here to Australia and perform some of these beautiful, this beautiful music? No, to be honest, not. Because I didn't have the controllers, you know. You know, you have to know that me, my friend, this is a exclusive <laughs> news, uh, I, uh, I was never subscribed to a social network and uh, okay. you know we have to, one of the band for me I was never ever uh, subscribed to anything so I'm totally out of this world mm. so uh, also there was the crowdfunding campaign was everything was organized by our management and so I, I don't think, uh, know anything really okay. but uh, what I know what I know for sure is that the Australian fans they always wanted us uh, to be there yes. so <laughs> something incredible for me finally to have this possibility I was very happy because uh, as I'm uh, a big lover of your continent I, I love the white nature as I told you uh, <laughs> uh, that. so for me to come there is really something uh, more than special you know it's not just uh, thinking about some shows in front of the Australian fans mm. but I think it's, it's a real life experience I would say mm. yeah we'd love to have you down here and I guess my next point, therefore, would be Sans work without working with the band. Have you thought about because you, you are a very, very good guitarist at the end of the day, one of the best in the world? Have you thought about putting on guitar clinics and traveling the world, showing people your glorious technique? No, but, but you say that, but it's not the right time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> very modest. I, I, I will disappoint you because uh, it, it, it was a casualty for me to to be known as guitar player you know? because in the end you know I'm not a live musician I'm the typical studio guy close as I told you before 24 hours per day at home in front of these computers and 90% of the time I'm playing the keyboards and in order to be honest the piano is my favorite instrument right. that's why that's why now in this uh, debut album and in general in this new band we want to have the voice Fabio and the piano as main instrument, and that's why you you are. I, I really uh, played much more piano than guitar on the design. To be to be honest, no. Mm, okay. So so with, with the piano, people to travel the world. <laughs> well, you could do that. People would make people would love to watch you play. People want to. That's the thing. People want an authentic experience these days. The way the artist wants to deliver the music. So that's, and that's proof positive with the Indiegogo campaign. You don't need labels telling you what to do or even managerial types. You can basically do whatever you want to do. So, mate, if there was a, an opportunity for you to come to Australia and put on a bit of a, a keyboard and organ, pipe organ clinic, mate, people would love that. I'd, I'd go to it. I know, but I always, you know, being a composer and staying in the studio, mm. I'm that guy that... Uh, Normally, doesn't feel 
uh, doesn't feel it, it's my finger, you know? Yeah. Um, this guy, they always ask me, they always propose me through in these years to do that, but I don't feel good enough yeah. to do oh. that. Probably yeah. I'm underweighting myself, no, doesn't matter, but you know, when you don't feel, then you don't feel even you are the right yeah, person. Yeah. To, but what I did, by, by the way, what I did is to, I have this course online that is called you know, Classical uh, Revelation, is a kind of uh, online guitar course, really specialized in this typical uh, uh, neoclassical patterns. So, this, uh, in some way, okay, for example, in, uh, when we speak about lead guitar playing, then I could teach something. But when we speak about uh, guitar in general, I absolutely not. Because uh, I'm not, uh, for example, if you take my second guitar player, Dominique, the French guy, yeah. he is he's the typical guitar player. No, he's not a composer, but he's just a guitar player. So he knows everything. When we are on tour, he helps me uh, tweaking the effects all that because me I have no clue about effects, amplifiers, and all that. And that's why I have always problems when I when I'm making interviews with uh, kind of guitar related uh, magazines. Yeah. yeah. Because yes, because I find myself not being able to explain anything because I can I can speak about computers, I can speak about software, Cubase, all that, all the stuff I, I, I used to compose on a daily basis. Yeah. But uh, I'm not able to speak about uh, guitar simply because I was never really that uh, interested. I understand. Yeah. Now this is a really good interview, Luca, because I think people will gain an insight into your philosophy around composing and it's very clear now mate that you're very much like a, a Mozart or a Beethoven type you think about every piece of instrumentation <laughs> you really do though you know? You know? Ravel you know do, do you have a favourite classical composer or is there somebody that you like above all others ah uh, ok when I started I changed no? in the same way like I changed the taste is in the metal now I like uh, Dream Theater. My my favorite band all in all is Muse. So imagine. Wow. I love Muse. Oh, Muse. Yeah, that's. Uh, no, I didn't pick that. Yeah, gosh. I I think they are big in Australia. Massive here, <laughs> enormous. They're like you yeah. too. Yeah. And uh, and I love them because they mix classical music with uh, they are kind of symphonic rock, you know, in some way. So uh, I would say that uh, for me it was a. Like I just taste this uh, and I listen to all the music of the universe. In the same way, I, I started liking Bach, Beethoven, all that. Mm. Then there was a second phase when I started playing the piano. I started loving Chopin. That's why, for example, if you listen to to the, the operatic ballad Amata Immortale on this album, you hear that uh, I I created a, a piano intro really inspired by. Frédéric Chopin, no? Chopin, uh, yeah. Yes, very romantic. I love the, the romantic uh, approach in piano. Uh, and then, uh, of course, then, and then you, you know all the classical composers, you start also loving the contemporary ones. So the, the most recent ones like uh, Alexander Shreyapin, uh, so many Russian, totally uh, crazy classical composers, I would say. So, so yes, I, I think uh, it's the same. Like when you listen to music, uh, music, you change the tastes 
in, uh, the, during your lifetime, and it was the same with classical music. Mm. Yeah, great. Another great response there, Luca. Yeah, this is a this has been a really good interview, Luca, because it was it was unexpected. I I had anticipated that we talk a little bit about guitar, but we've ended up talking about your 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 preference, if you like, and your interest in classical music, and it's really given me insights that will give the listener insight into your philosophy around composing. And it really makes sense now because, mate, this this album that you've got here, Zero Gravity, it's it really is, mate. It's a classical symphony. It just has some heavy elements to it, but the way to approach this album is to look at it as classical music, in my view. Would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yes, absolutely. I would say that uh, uh, that's why the piano is the main, the main instrument, of course. But then you have also a lot of ethnic music mm. because we wanted to enrich in some way to not have just the typical symphonic impact very aggressive, but we wanted also to add some uh, exotic. Uh, flavor always in the name of the variety uh, element that uh, I, I spoke, uh, I told you before about. Yeah. Uh, so also, also why not? I love my friend. I love to combine symphonic instruments with uh, electronic modern sounds because uh, for me this uh, gives a new dimension to the regular, let's say, classical music. Mm. So. Uh, also, when you go to, you know, we were always inspired by the soundtracks, the cinema, the movie soundtracks. So, and it's yeah. great to see also how the soundtracks evolved in some way. The ones that I was listening to do, like something like 20 years before, they're totally different now. And, uh, and, and you, I love soundtracks like the ones of the movies of the trilogy of Matrix, uh, also mm-hmm. very recent movies. Because the composers, I know when the composers try to add some originality, some new, fresh ideas. And that's why also in this album you notice that we have the symphonic element, but also, uh, let's say, complemented, complemented by uh, a lot of modern effects, modern sounds, electronic sounds, and all that. Mm, yeah, well... Mate, this has been a fascinating interview. Thank you so much for participating. You're, you're a legend of music, not just heavy metal, but music. And thank you so much for making the music that you've made for so long. You're really too nice, my friend. I really hope to have the chance to meet you in Australia. I hope so, mate. I'd like that. I'd like to catch up with you and shake your hand and have a beer or a very strong Italian coffee. <laughs> you know, you, you told me two things I'm not drinking. I'm not oh. drinking guys and I'm not drinking coffee. So I can share with you just a, a, a Pepsi. A Pepsi. We'll have a Coke and a Pepsi each. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much for the chat, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure, too, absolutely. All the best. Have a nice uh, evening, I guess. Yeah, no worries at all. You have, you have a great one, mate. Go to sleep soon. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. All right. the best. Ciao, see you. Ciao. No, ciao. Ciao, Luca. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and you just heard from the Italian maestro himself, Luca Turilli. Thanks so much for listening.